0: Uh, Leading in our worship together. Um, Good morning, church. So glad to be here to come and worship together. Um, After the Mandarin service uh, worship, Mandarin and Cantonese service worship. Someone make a comment, say, Pastor Albert, I like your voice today. It's so convincing. Um, And then the discussion went on to like, it sounds more like Darth Vader. Um, May the Force be with you, kind of a thing. I said, no, 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 not Darth, not Darth Vader. Darth Vader is taking you to the dark side. You don't want to get to the dark side. Okay? We are children of light. You know? Darth Vader needs to repent and receive Jesus. Then, instead of may the force be with you, he will say, may God be with you. That's the right way. Okay? That's the right way. Um, as we come together uh, in the Senior Pastor Series, continuing with the uh, uh, vision of our church and the indicators of how God is taking us today, I just want to reiterate where God has taken our church for the past five years, that we are here to build a vibrant church of disciple-makers that reproduces vibrant churches locally and globally. That's what God is calling us to be and to do together. And and the four indicators of what it means to be a vibrant church um, that we have been unpacking for the past few weeks, Uh, we started with the first week on love passionately. Love God and people passionately. Everything begins with God. It begins with your love for God, love for Jesus Christ, and love for people. And then second week, we preach on live authentically. That's discipleship, authentic discipleship. Um, we need to express our faith clearly and consistently in our lives by God's grace. Nobody's perfect, but we are growing, and this is our goal together. And then third week, last week, we preach about give generously, you know, our st- biblical stewardship. Okay, everything Owns by God and we are the stewards and we need to give an account to God and we, uh, everything that we have is on loan from God and ultimately we need to give an account to what God has given us uh, today and also for the future as well. Now today we want to focus on the fourth message to go courageously as a church to go uh, courageously and with that we want to read the scriptures on Acts chapter 11 verses 1 through 18 um, Acts 11, 1 through 18. Uh, Let me just read to you the first three verses. The first three verses says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. You know, this is a, This is a a confrontation uh, by the, uh, uh, the group in the church upon Peter, the circumcision party. The one who insisted on, if you want to be a Christian, you need to be circumcised to be embraced and to be accepted into the church. So when they discovered that Peter went ahead to have a meal together with the Gentiles and they were not happy with that, they began to criticize him. You know, isn't it great that in verse one says the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God? Isn't that it wonderful? It's a cause for celebration, right? But you know, for the early church, and especially for the Jewish church during Peter's time, um, they they wrestle with the issue. You know, even though Jesus called them to make disciples of all nations, uh, but that good news post a major issue with the early church. You see, the Gentiles, they do not observe the Jewish dietary distinctions, what is clean, what is unclean, and make a clear uh, distinction. So the, 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 the Gentiles, they eat anything, anything that they feel is tasty and good. So ritually, ritually, according to the tradition of the Jewish, um, they were, the Jewish were unclean, And when a Jew began to dine with a Gentile together, and according to the Mosaic law in Leviticus chapter 11, the Gentiles will communicate ritually uncleanness to the Jews just by being with them on the same dining table. And that obstacle kept Jews and the Gentiles separate in their social life. And that poses a challenge to the Great Commission that says, make disciples of all nations. That becomes impossible. Because socially they will not integrate. Socially they will not interact together. And that's the major issues uh, with the early church. You know, here's a classic case of the power of culture and tradition. Some of you who are in the business world might have heard of this. Um, Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, Peter Drucker, the um, modern management father of the US, as he passed away a few years ago, says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Basically, as he spoke to um, the, the business culture, reminding the people that when you come to a new company, when you come to a new system, make sure you respect the culture. The customs and ways of doing things for many years has been deeply embedded in there. If you do not recognize that and make changes prematurely, you will face a backlash from a people and changes will not be possible. So he says culture is strategy for breakfast. Before it gets lunch, it's all digested. That's how powerful culture is. And as powerful as God's word and God's mandate for the Great Commission But remember, Peter and the rest of the Jewish community, they have lived with that food uh, culture, food uh, dietary distinction for many, many years. It's hard to change. It is hard to overcome, even with the power of the gospel. It takes a process. And that's the things that they are wrestling with in the early church. And you can see a great divide there that the clean and unclean food versus Jews versus Gentiles. Um, You can see traditions versus the gospel. And we versus them, basically. A line is drawn on the sand. You Gentiles, we Jews, we don't associate because of that dietary distinctions that you guys are not paying attention to. And that's the problem. You know, this is something very powerful and we recognize that in our lives as well. You know, I just read in the news about China having this swine flu lately. And half the pigs were slaughtered in China. And the price, of course, went up I don't know how many times, right? And, and pork is a major diet in China, right? To you, to some of us who choose other type of meat or something like that, it's like, well, pork pork is just protein, right? It's just protein. No, 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 no. It's more than protein. It is a food culture, that is deeply ingrained and, 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 and embedded in the memories of all the taste buds of the Chinese population. They have to have it. it. It causes riots if you do not handle well. You know, it's a power of culture as we live our lives. There are things that we just don't negotiate. There are things that we refuse to let go. So for the early church, the line is drawn. The battlefield is chosen. But you know what? God Intervenes. And Peter was inspired by the vision of God. Verses 4 to 10. Let me read to you. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me, looking at it closely. I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. You know, that was a challenge. That was a challenge to the people. If we look at verse 4, okay? And Peter began to explain it to them in order. That's typical. That's typical of Acts and Luke. And that's how Luke, the writer of Acts and Luke, did the research. He thought through the whole process and he was able to help people who read those two epistles to understand that Jesus is the Lord. So Peter began to explain it to them and step by step, helping them to understand the whole process. He said, I was in the city of Joppa and praying. So it is in the midst of praying. I saw this vision. You know how many times that new things happen to the church, that new songs that come to the church, that new direction and new frontier being charted, New territories being charted by the church happened because we pray and because we pay attention to God. Because we are willing to seek God. You know, the more I serve, the more I pay attention to God's vision, God's revelation, and also in prayer. In younger years, I would like, you know, just plan and strategize and. Look at the resources, look at the manpower, and then plan very much like a business plan. Well, we need some of that. But you know what? The, the key issue is to pay attention to God. What is God doing in your life and in the lives of the congregation and in this community? What is God saying to you? Pay attention to God. So in the time of prayer that Peter was going through and in the vision that God sends to him, he begins to realize God's plan. Have you noticed how three times, three times it says from heaven, this vision from heaven? And then in verse 9 again, it says the voice from heaven begins to remind Peter. And verse 10 again says, after three times of the vision being revealed to Peter, it was drawn back to the heavens. It is something from God. It is not just a good thought, a good plan something outside the box, you know, creative approach. This is from God. That's what makes it powerful. God is doing something in Peter's life, in the life of the church, opening up the paradigm, opening up the mind and the heart for them to embrace the Gentiles. Despite decades and centuries of food dietary distinction that they were so used to, That almost become the DNA. Now, God is taking it apart, change the DNA and say, well, my church, my church has the Jews and the Gentiles together. Because Jesus is the peace that breaks down the wall. And God is doing something wonderful um, in that place. He explained to them in order, so in a time of prayer and in a vision from heaven, he begins to show him two steps. And, and, and looking at it closely, he's looking at the animals and the beasts and the prey and the reptiles and the birds of the air. And he said, he heard, heard a voice saying to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. This is imperative. This is command. And, and Peter recognized the voice of Jesus, basically telling him, obey, do it. But he was not able to do it. He said, Lord, nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. I can't do it, Lord. I can't. I've never done that before. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard that? When we resist change, when we resist what comes from God to our church and challenge us to venture out and say, I've never done that before. Our church has never done that. First Chinese Baptist Church, Walnut, we just don't do those things. Well, we don't do a lot of things, of course. But if it is from God, maybe we need to pay attention if it is from god maybe we need to obey see peter has a hard time to obey he's a hard time to obey jesus even though jesus told him rise take and eat because he carries with him years and years of deeply embedded culture within him just thinking about those food and touching and seeing the dishes being placed on the table just frees him up and he can't do it. He can't do it. You know, change is very hard. The more uh, I grow, the more I recognize how hard it is. Change is so hard. You know, you really have to respect the power of resistance toward change. Especially when it touches on the culture. When it is against the culture of that group, you know, it's so hard unless it is the work of God. When it is from heaven, then it is possible because God begins to change the heart, stretch the mind, open the hearts, and for us to embrace and for us to do it possibly. So after one step, he says, though so I can't do it, but second step, he can't do it either. The voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common do not call unclean. And this happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. The first time, it was a command. Do it. He said, no, I can't do it. Never done that before. I can't do it. Second time, he says, this is a biblical justification. Let me tell you why you can do it. In the form of a rebuke, you know, Jesus gave him a biblical justification, basically saying what God has made clean, do not call common. You can do it. You are allowed to eat now with the coming of Jesus into the world and with the final cleansing sacrifice of Christ now offered and with the command to make disciples of all nations now given. The all ceremonial laws about food are lifted and that barrier to the Gentile world is removed. You are allowed to do it now. Biblically, because of Jesus Christ. You know, that vision for Peter has two points. One, the food law are fulfilled and entered in Jesus Christ. Remember in Mark chapter 7, verse 19, when Jesus said, whatever comes from outside will not defile you. Whatever you eat will not make you unclean or will not make you sinful. But it is what is from inside that comes out that will defile a person, your wicked thoughts. Those are the things that will defile you and make you sinful before God. And then at the end of Mark 7, verse 19, Jesus say, whatever comes into a person can't defile him. Jesus declares all foods clean. So for us today, there's no clean or unclean. Whatever you like, you can take it only healthy or unhealthy. And the consensus is that unhealthy tastes better, I think. So not only, not only the food laws are fulfilled and ended in Jesus Christ, but secondly, the Gentiles are not to be considered unclean. See, Jesus said, what God has made clean, do not call common. Do not call unclean. What God has accepted into the kingdom of God by the redemption of Jesus Christ on the cross, they are part of God's family. You can't force them to be circumcised. You can't force them to eat exactly with the way you eat and with the preference and with the food, dietary distinctions. You can't do that because Jesus Christ on the cross has reconciled that. And you need to receive them. But you know what, for Peter? Peter? No, The first time he was saying, I can't do it. You know, I've never done it before. I think the second time he would say, I'm not convinced. Well, I know it here. I know it here. It's biblically sound. But, you know, culturally and emotionally, it takes a while. It takes a process for him to go through it. So Peter, at the end, admitted that this happened three times. Three times. Command, rebuke, can't do it. Command, rebuke, can't do it. Command, rebuke. Can't do it. And he was lifted back to the heavens. But that vision from God does something in the heart of Peter. You see, when someone is willing to follow Jesus, when someone is willing to do God's will, and even though you have resistance, even though you you have a hard time to really absorb it into yourself, but when you follow Jesus, the word of God will be planted in your heart And slowly, things begin to work and things begin to change. This is the power of God's word. And things begin to change in the life of Peter. And then, as we continue to see the whole unpacking of the passage, we see that Peter was amazed by the hand of God. Amazed by the hand of God. Verses 11 through 14. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were and sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. And the six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house And then he says, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joba and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. You and all your household. You know, in verse 11, as Peter was dealing with that vision of that sheet coming down with all the kind of unclean food, and he was asked to rise, take and eat, can't do it. As he was going through that and vision from God, the Spirit of God is working in the hearts of Colanius, in the hearts of the Gentile, and said, Go and send and look for Peter, because he will give you a message of repentance. You and your household will be saved. You see, the Spirit of God is not confined in, in where Peter stay. The Spirit of God works in a way. That he continues to give confirmation. That when we see God's hand is moving, it is not just one individual, because one individual can be just dogmatic or just being very subjective. There's a subjective element in faith, but it has to be balanced by objectivity when we see that God is working in the hearts of different people and confirmed. And that's, that's how we operate in FCBC Walnut. The pastors lead the church, but we love to see and we want to see the deacons confirm that, yes, this is the direction. And they feed back to us. And then the officers feedback some and say, yes, pastors, we can see God's hand in this together with you. And then we share with the congregation and say, do you see that? It may take a longer process, but as we communicate, as we hear feedback, as we see God together, then together we say, well, God's hand is in this. Let's do it together. See, church life is togetherness. We do it together. And that's what happened to Peter. As he was confronted with a vision to clean and unclean food, God, in a separate event, moves in the heart of Calanius to send servants to Joppa to fetch Peter. See the prominent role of the Holy Spirit? Because when you and I are saved, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with all the believers, we all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us into God's truth to understand God's Word. When we have resonance, when we have confirmation, when we echo and see yes together, then we are really walking in the Spirit we are really walking with Jesus. You know what? Not only that, he has six brothers accompany him because it is so, it is such a, such a momentous time that the gospel is officially being recognized to go to the Gentiles. You need some witnesses. Peter alone saying it may not be sufficient because people can say, hey, you are dogmatic, right? Peter, you are so excited. Of course, it makes sense to you, but we have six brothers going together, and there can be a more objective confirmation and to help us to go together. And together, we can see how God is moving in the hearts of the people as they enter the man's house. And the key thing, I believe, the key thing um, in verse 14 says, He will, when Peter comes, he will declare to you a message by which. You will be saved, you and all your household. Why is it moving forward in such a powerful way? Because it is for the gospel. It is for the gospel. It is not about just breaking cultural barriers for people to like communicate and understand each other. It's a wonderful thing. But there's a higher value in there. It is for the gospel, it is for the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. You need to break down that barrier. You need to cross that cultural clash in order to embrace the gospel that Jesus gives to us fully. Make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. And, and at least I was amazed by the hand of God because God's hand moved In the heart of Peter, God's hand moved. In the hearts of Calenius, God's hand moved among God's people to be able to embrace the Gentiles into God's work. You know, if you look at God's work in our midst here, look at the ministries that God has helped to start in our midst here, it is really God's moving. There are some ministries that are started by pastors because we see something. We see some possibilities. And God moved us. We talk about that, and then we thought, we'll start that, we'll start that. But you know what? A lot, a lot of these ministries are really started by you. And that's our intention, that we are not the only one who knows where is God taking us. But you, as fellow Christians, pilgrims, journey together in the kingdom of God, the Spirit is in you. As you hear the vision to be a vibrant church, to love passionately, to live authentically, to give generously, and now to go courageously, God is speaking to you. Okay, think about the ping pong ministry, remember? For the Cantonese, um, last year, we opened up our church gym uh, on Monday and Thursday, and in the summer, even on Sunday afternoon, to set up like 10 ping pong tables for the community, and 60% are unchurched. They came. Early retirees, retired individuals, mainly Cantonese-speaking, they came and play ping pong, and then we have some of our retirees playing together with them, interacting with them. Just let them see how Christian lives our lives, what Christians talk about, providing a platform for us to interact, and we we'll begin to see salvation among them. In the last batch of baptism, we see one of them being baptized and join our church. You know, just a few weeks ago, uh, in the midsummer festival that uh, the immigrants celebrated. About 70 of them came and played ping pong, and then they enjoyed the moon cake, and then Pastor Wilson shared the gospel message. That's the kind of platform that happened. Is it because of the pastors? No. It was because of one or two or three Cantonese congregations who thought about that and said, hey, why don't we do it this way? Never done that before. But we open up, and God begins to move among our people. You know, some of you are, uh, are familiar with the guitar class. Uh, brother Matthew Soweto felt led to start and teaching children guitar and recruit some people and to reach out to them. About 40 of the students came and their parents as well. See, different platforms are started. Awana and ESL, uh, basketball ministry, um, uh, JOG, uh, special education uh, to the autistics, uh, to those who have special needs. You know, those ministries, J.O.G. was started by Pastor Wilson. It was his doctoral dissertation project. And after he finished the project, he thought, well, let's experiment in our church. Well, that experiment, after two years, led to an official ministry in our church. And many of you were recruited to help and to minister to them. And for those of you who are new to our church, I want to let you know that sometimes in our worship, you see people squirming. In our Cantonese worship, there's one lady. uh, She just keep making noises. Because she was, you know, having her her struggle, okay, with dementia. But we fully embrace them into our church life. Because that is the best community to help them to grow, you know. And that really stretch our heart's love. There's no perfect worship. Quiet, nobody speaks, everybody take notes, no sound at all. That's not for us. For our church, we'll be having movements and people and you know, going here and there. Because God moves some of you about those possibilities. As a demonstration, as a response to God calling us to be a vibrant church, a church that moves, a church that moves with the Holy Spirit, a church that moves with God. And in six months, We're going to dedicate our new building. Again, another gym. And that place is huge. We went in there and take a look and say, Oh my God, God, thank you so much. You know, with all the facilities that you have given us, if we don't open up to the community, if we don't do Great Commission, if we are not gospel-centered, we don't deserve, we don't deserve those things. We just don't deserve those things. But God will touch some of you and say, Hey, be aligned with God's vision. What about this? Would it be possible? Can this platform be created for us to go out courageously and to represent Christ well and to grow together? Well, let's seek the Lord together. Let's seek the Lord together. Okay, and finally, those who are confirmed by the work of God. They were confirmed by the work of God. Verses 15 through 18 says, As I began to speak, Peter, He came to the household of Cornelius. He began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. This is the Gentiles' Pentecost. At the beginning, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the people to the Jewish community, to the Jewish audience, to the apostles, And they begin to be gifted by the Holy Spirit to speak different languages so that the gospel can be reached to different individuals. Now it's happening the second time, but the audience, the Gentiles. Just like, just as on us at the beginning. You see the commonality? You see how it began with we versus them? Gentiles versus Jews. Now, you see a lot more commonality. Just like them. They received the Holy Spirit. Just like us at the very beginning. And verse 16 says, And I remember the word of God, how he said, John baptized you with water to cleanse you as a symbolism to cleanse you. But ultimately, it's Jesus' blood that cleanses you. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, John's baptism is not complete because he calls people to repentance. But who can forgive your sins? Jesus Christ. Only the indwelling of the Holy Spirit after you are cleansed will continue to give you new life to be more and more like Jesus. He says, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 17 and 18 says, if then God gave the same gift, see that? Same gift to them as he gave to us Remember that we and them, we versus them. No, 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 now you gave them and you gave us. See the commonality there? And we, when we believe in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Wow, it was so convincing, okay? They were confirmed by the work of God saying, I can't stop this. Basically, Peter said, I can't stop this. Who am I? to stop the work of God. Finally, it is confirmed that this is God's work. And finally, in verse 18, says, when they heard those things and fell silent, and they go glorify God, saying, then to the Gentiles, also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I like that simple words there. To the Gentiles, also. Not exclusively Jews, but Gentiles also. They are included into God's family. They are included into the Great Commission. They are included into the Gospel. The barrier of culture and tradition has been broken because of Jesus Christ. We see a whole process to help the great apostle Peter to finally get across that. Three times, three times. You know, even Peter has to go through all this process. Just think about us. Think about us. That's why sometimes when God begins to show something and then we begin to share with you, you know, like there's a lot of reservation. Are you sure? You sure? You know, can we do it? Hey, it's okay. Peter was like that. (laughs) Peter was like that. But as we continue to pray, as we continue to see God step by step, He will open our hearts and open our minds then we begin to align with God and we begin to grow together in Him. And my message to you today is a vibrant church is indicated by the courage to go beyond the four walls of the church to bless others. That's God calling to us. Four indicators, to love passionately, to live authentically, and to give generously as a steward of Jesus. And finally, to go courageously to do God's work together. What is the application for us today? Let me go through that with you. One, there are three common barriers of going out courageously. One is, it's hard to get out of the comfort zone. And secondly, I have no time. I've got to work, you know. Life is tough. I've got to spend all my time in family and, and all that. That's the second most common barrier. And thirdly, I'm not qualified. I'm not trained like you. You know, you're a pastor. You've been to seminary. Been many years I've We don't know how to do it, right? These are so common barriers. Um, Um, barriers about going out courageously. You know, Um, I have to admit that in my younger years, I just used the Bible to to hit you over the head and say, hey, repent, you guys, you know, be aligned with God and do God's Word now. You know, um, a little bit more seasoned, uh, a little bit more tender now. You know, I begin to appreciate how hard it is, how hard it is. You know we are so we are so fragile. On Tuesday I came down with this cold. Wednesday I was okay, and then after prayer meeting I went home. It was like bad. It was bad. So I took Thursday sick leave. Friday sick leave. Friday was miserable. Okay, can't sit. You can't walk. You can't lie down. You know, just a little bug's flu. You know, something so so insignificant. Makes a whole person just uncomfortable. Can't think, can't prepare sermon, can't read, you know. Nothing makes you happy. Uh, And then, thank God, by Saturday, I felt better. I was able to put my thoughts together. So you have this freshly baked sermon this morning. (laughs) Only by God's grace, you know. Only by God's grace, right? It's hard, it's hard. Little things like that can make you miserable. Little things like that can just upset the whole person, right? You can't think rightly and properly, right? And become more more, more more, compassionate of how we embrace change and how everybody, you know, life is tough and we try our best to follow Jesus, okay? And for all these barriers, I recognize that. With all these hindrances and challenges, I recognize that. But I just want to say, let's take... Little steps. Little steps. You know, I know we need to dream big, but start small. Start small. Little steps. You know what is the hardest, hardest thing that can help us to move forward? What is the hardest thing that can uh, take us from a static state into a, into a uh, more dynamic state? Someone said, it is hardest to push a parked car. <laughs> If the car is still moving, you know, follow the motion. You just give a little push. It keeps going, right? But once the car is parked there, it takes a lot more effort to even move it forward one inch. But as long as it begins to move, as long as it begins to move one inch, then with that little motion, it's easier for us to move a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And that's all it started. That's all it calls for. Little steps. Fully recognize that, but maybe God is calling you to just take a little step because you have been parked there for too long. And secondly, I just want to encourage and call the church to submit to the Holy Spirit and seek God in prayer. It's not getting together and be gung-ho and paint all this picture and say, hey, we can do this, we can do that, you know. But God is not calling us to just do things. God is calling us to be like Him. To be like Christ. Submit to the Holy Spirit and seek God in prayer. Once God confirms it together, then we move with Him. And finally, I just want to say be open to God's plan for our church. Okay, I want to say that our church is predominantly Asian. Okay, We have some other ethnic groups in our midst, but Predominantly, we are Asians, and predominantly, we are Chinese, okay? But is that God's plan for our church? We don't know. We don't know. Living in the east of LA, we are sitting in this area, which is 45% Hispanics, okay? Asians are the minority here. Could it be possible that our church, maybe God is calling us to embrace more and more Hispanics into our church? Could it be possible? We see more and more mixed marriages, okay, in a society, and and they they find this church just meets the needs with English congregation and Cantonese congregation and Mandarin congregation. It's just meet the need of family perfectly. And God is calling us to embrace, God is calling us to go out of the four walls and to embrace. I don't know. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that be open to God's plan for our church. Because this is not our church. This is His church. He's the head. And if we want to walk with Jesus, then be open. Just like Peter, just like Peter. Taking it. I can't do it. Never done that. Three times, three times. And finally, he submitted to God. And maybe we need many, many times too when he brings something to us. But he will make it clear when it is God's will for us to journey together and to go courageously. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that as our church continues to walk with you as we continue to seek your face, that you will allow us to see your heart and allow us to pray together as a church that we will respond to you as you call us to go courageously to do your will. I pray for myself, I pray for the pastoral team and deacons and officers, that we, we will embrace the courage to go, the courage to go out of the four walls. Then by God's grace, we will wait for our congregation and share with our congregation and just allow them to see God's hand in there, and together we will go courageously to build a vibrant church to glorify God. Thank you, Lord, for the message. In Jesus' name, amen.